Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Take two. I never know what's going on with those New England phone lines. Stevie Peralt. Welcome back, Steve. How are you? <laughs> JJ, I am doing well. I'm telling you, it's we, we lose Mookie Betts. Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl in Tampa, and I can't get any cell service. What a terrible trio. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the triple threat right there. That is the recipe for disaster. (laughs) Sounds about right. Totally fair. Now, let's start here. Before we get to the Red Sox, before we get to the AL East, how depressed is the greater New England area watching its two conquering heroes, Brady and Gronk, winning a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay? Steve, I'm not sugarcoating this. That would bother me to no end. Did it bother you? I So this was honestly an enormous talking point, obviously, leading up to the Super Bowl since the Super Bowl ended. And realistically, I think the easy thing for fans to say was that, oh, go Tommy, go Gronk. I've, I've rooted for him forever. This is incredible. Go. But it's not that simple. It's not that simple because I'm always rooting for the thing that's going to benefit me most down the road. and. I don't want to have to defend Bill Belichick for the rest of my life, but we're kind of in that, in that period now, right? Because everyone, the simple answer is going to be, oh, well, obviously the rings that Tom won in New England were because of him. They weren't because of Bill Belichick. And I think anyone that says that is a moron. That is like they needed each other from the beginning to the end. And it just shows how great Tom is that he can do this in his first year in Tampa. So I'm not going to lie. It was a little awkward watching the Super Bowl because – your gut tells you, oh, it's Tom in the Super Bowl, it's Gronk in the Super Bowl, I want to root for him, but it felt a little strange. Well, I appreciate the honesty because I didn't get it from a majority of the Patriot fans that I know. Maybe they were financially invested. Maybe they just find themselves rooting Brady no matter what. But those conflicting feelings are ones that I would absolutely have. And now I got to wonder, Steve, Brady's going to do this for the next couple of years. The guy is an alien. The guy is never retiring. We're probably going to have grandkids and he's still going to be playing. I guarantee you that. Or <laughs> something close to it. But how when long, it comes reali- to- Realistically, JJ, how long do you think he's going to play? Because I've had Oh, he's some- playing at least another three years, dude. He's playing until 45. But he's I think been, so. He's been saying 45 forever. And now I'm thinking he could go to like 50. Like, I don't think it would be that crazy because he's doing stuff first off that we haven't seen before. I mean, from the Falcons game, he was doing stuff that we hadn't seen before from that Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, that was four years ago. And now he's still winning Super Bowls with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So 
why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he keep playing until he's fifty years old? I really don't know why he wouldn't do that. And the amazing thing, Steve, is like five years ago when Brady threw out that number of forty-five, I thought he was out of his mind. I thought it was the most outrageous thing I've ever heard. And now I'm like, yeah, you know what? 45 kind of sounds about right. Yeah, 45. We've gotten to the point, JJ, where 45 sounds like it's the under if you take 45. Like, that's absolutely nuts. I would say the over-under right now is probably 45 and a half, 46 and a half, which is crazy. But that's where we are. And who do they want up there to be the quarterback? Are they all in on bringing Garoppolo back? That's the sense I get. Yeah, Jimmy G seems to be the big guy. How about Stafford, by the way, saying that he wants to go anywhere but New England? What a weird jab at the pass. You know what I think that was related to, though, Steve? That sounded like the Matt Patricia effect, did it not? Yeah, probably, but it just felt like, I don't know, it felt out of left field. It's like kicking us while we're down. we got to see Brady go through the playoffs, and now Stafford's like, I'll go to any team but the New England Patriots. Like, all right, buddy, sounds good. But um, Jimmy G does seem like the favorite from the fans from Patriots fans, but realistically, there's not a lot of options. I would love if Jameis Winston ended up here. I know that's probably not going to happen. I would have enjoyed them to sign him last year instead of Cam. But, yeah, we're at a position now where it's it's probably a reunion with Garoppolo is our best bet. Um, but they better not take Mac Jones. If they, they take that guy, I'm, I'm not going to be excited at all. He can barely move. Were you impressed with Jones at all? I mean, I, I'm watching him. In not the- really. Not really. I thought he was a product of what they had cooking in Alabama. And some are going to say, hold on a second, Stevie. JJ's the same guy who was drooling Tua last year and the year before that. The difference was Tua's mobility, as you just alluded to with Jones, far greater than what you had with Mac. Tua could run around and make some plays. Yeah. No, Mac Jones seems like someone's going to stand in there and get killed. So um, it is funny, though, how we just kind of do the eye test with some of these guys and and throw the stats to the side because he was putting up all-time numbers with Alabama, but I don't think there was anyone out there being like, oh, he's going to be a top first-round pick. Like, I, I don't want anything to do with Mac Jones. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Jimmy G seems to be the favorite, and all things considered, I'd be okay with it, even though it sounds like the Niners aren't going to be super willing to give him up. So I don't really know where that stands. But, I mean, how are you feeling about your quarterback situation down there? Well, I think it's simple. It's Tua or it's Deshaun Watson. One of those two guys. That's it. Yeah. yeah I think it's pretty, pretty simple. simple. Yeah, I want to see more from Tua. He played nine games. Get him some talent, and then we'll see what we have to work with. Now, let's get to the order of business that is your Boston Red Sox. If I told you, Steve Peralt, as you were leaving Yankee Stadium celebrating at my expense when the Red Sox eliminated the Yankees from the postseason, and when you were celebrating after beating the Dodgers, winning the 2018 World Series, that three years later, there'd be a decent chance that Betts, Benintendi, and Bradley are all former members of the Boston Red Sox, you would have called me all sorts of nasty names, correct? Yeah, I, I mean, any chance I get to call you nasty names, I'm going to take it. And that Yeah, that I, I'm aware of that, too. That's <laughs> yeah, that, that, would have been, that would have been a chance there. Yeah, I honestly can't believe it, JJ. I, just last night, we were, I was kind of sifting through stuff that we've done for Section 10, uh, promos we've done about Andrew Benintendi, about the, I don't want to say they're a big three of an outfield, but, you know, Betts, Bradley, and, and Benny. And I honestly can't believe it. I can't believe that we're not even a full three years later and none of those guys are here. Now, having said that, Jackie might come back. That's still not off the table. They might re-sign JBJ. There was a a report today uh, that there's a chance they're going to have a reunion with Jackie, and that was part of the plan after they traded Benny. But either way, it's crazy. I mean, I remember when Benny got called up in late 2016, we were all ecstatic. We were all pumped. This kid's the seventh pick in the draft. 
He's already gone through the minor leagues. He's dominating in Double A, Triple A. He's going I was. I remember after the 2017 season, we were doing our bold prediction segment, and I was saying he was going to get MVP votes, and no one laughed at that. That wasn't a crazy thing to say heading into 2018, just less than again three years ago. So it's kind of crazy. We're already at this point where him getting traded. I know a lot of the female Red Sox fans are none too pleased that Andrew Benintendi is gone, but if you look at it from a baseball perspective, it, it's 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 an odd situation. He hit 103 last year. We were saying you should keep him because you could never trade him at a lower value. But they get, you know, a power bat back that's not a proven bat at the major league level. Injury problems with Cordero and, you know, a couple players to be named later and a pitcher that hasn't gone past, you know, Class A. So I don't know what to think, honestly. But Heim Bloom came on the podcast last week and, you know, he, he kind of put us in a trance. We're like, all right, I believe in this guy. I trust his plan. And. I'm going to back what the moves that he makes. I think the easy thing to do in this market is be like, oh, what a terrible idea. Why would they do that? Ein Bloom is a very smart individual. He's trying to have sustained success in Boston, and he wants younger, more controllable guys in the system. And so that's kind of why you make this move. But, I mean, Benny could still have a lot of good baseball left. Well, that's, that's my not, thing, that's Steve. My what happened here. to this guy? A couple of years ago, he was the one guy I never wanted to see up in a big spot. Lefty yeah. bat, a lot of big hits. A terrific defensive outfielder. He made that catch in game four against the Astros. That was maybe the play defensively. It's, it's, it's the biggest catch in Red Sox history. I don't think it's even Wow, that's, that's a bold take. You know what? That game, call me, call me crazy for this, Steve. You lose that game. The Astros have Verlander and Cole lined up five and six. Do you win the series? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a toss-up. That, that's why I say it because also I say that to say, give me, show me another very important Red Sox catch in the playoffs, and I, I really got nothing for you, especially from these four World Series teams in the last, you know, well, this century. Um, so, yeah, no, you he misses that ball. It was a do-or-die play. If that ball gets by Benny, they lose that game, and it's a 2-2 series. All of a sudden, you could go back to, to Boston down 3-2. That changes the whole dynamic. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll always have that play, but when I think of Andrew Benintendi, it's, it's unfortunate, but his numbers continue to decline, and it's somebody that we had such high hopes for, and that's why I can't believe with him being 26 years old, we're in the position now where it's like, how, how is how is him being traded not really impacting me at all? I, I'm not even like that upset about it. That's crazy. Now, the overall direction of the Boston Red Sox, I know you mentioned you had Boom on the podcast. How do you feel about their offseason? It's been kind of, eh, they brought in Kike Hernandez, who I like. They just signed Marwin Gonzalez. Not a whole lot of household names, but you got to figure a guy like J.D. Martinez, for example, is going to be a lot better than he was. And you get Cora back, which might be worth a couple of wins. Where do you stand currently on where the Red Sox are at? Yeah, the Cora move is the most important one. I know everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, I had a cheetah. But the, the Cora move is definitely the most important. He's a guy that for a 162-game season, I want someone like Alex Cora that gets along with the players that understands what they're going through, that can sympathize with them and kind of feel like he's a part of the team and that they respect him, they want to talk to him. Uh, nothing against Ron Renicky, but it was like having your, your grandfather as your coach. That's probably what it felt like for a lot of the players. So I love having Cora back. He uh, obviously meant a lot to this team in 2018. It's unfortunate the stuff happened in Houston, but he's going to be a very important part of this team for 2021. Uh, and i I got to be honest, JJ, it's just nice to have a real rotation. We have five major league pitchers that are in the rotation. Last year, you're watching guys like Mike Kickham 
and Matt Hall and Josh Osich. Like Steve, they were starting guys against the Yankees and the Mets. And I like to think that I'm well-versed, you know? I like to think that I know what's going on, especially with the Yankees' rival. Steve, they're rolling these guys out. I'm like, who the hell's pitching for Boston tonight? Who's pitching for (laughs) them? They had had a four-gamer against the Yankees in, I think, July. And heading into it, the the pitching probables were Nathan Eovaldi, TBD, TBD, and TBD. I'm like, this is where we're at. This is honestly the state of the 2020 Red Sox. But I'm just thankful that we have a legitimate rotation uh, Erod is going. There's a lot riding on Eduardo Rodriguez and how he recovered from COVID, how he's recovered from having that much time off. The last time he pitched a meaningful game was, you know, at the end of 2019 when he had a 19 win season. So there's a lot riding on the rotation. The Red Sox had the most hits in the American League last year. I think a lot of people forget that the offense is still good. JD Martinez can't possibly be any worse. And uh, when we had Cora on a couple weeks ago, he said as much. So I don't know. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, and it, it's easy to be when you're coming off of one of the most embarrassing seasons in Red Sox history. So there's only, there's only up to go from here, but I just want to have a team, you know, that's, that's going to compete for a playoff spot and, and hopefully, you know, ruffle some feathers in the AL East, which has gotten better. So I'm, I'm worried about the Blue Jays. I don't know about you, but that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, uh, I think Toronto's lineup is scary good. Um, and that yeah. brings me to George Springer. I thought he might be a fit in Boston. Was that gaining traction or not really? No, nah, I think the uh, the only traction that gained is just that it, it seemed to make sense on paper, but I didn't hear any reports. I've never been one to get too into like, oh, well, in theory, this move would make sense. And if they could go get that guy, I kind of want to base my opinions off of like maybe some report that they're, I mean, we've, we've called the Red Sox the interest kings. They're literally interested in every free agent and then barely signed any of them. But um, it, it seemed like in theory it made sense. Maybe the core connection there. You needed an outfielder. Who knows if Jackie's going to be back? But it never really felt like that had any traction. So uh, he got his money. I mean, he got paid in, in Toronto or wherever they're going to play this year. So um, it's good for him. But, yeah, realistically, the AL East is pretty stacked. I mean, I know the Rays lose Snell, but they still have some of the best young talent in the division in the American League. So um, it's going to be hard. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if that's not one of the best divisions in baseball. It would kind of be impossible, honestly, considering what rosters are in the AL East. We got Steve Peralt, Section 10, getting you ready for the start of the season. And I'm just floored thinking about the Red Sox and their transformation over the last couple of years. That's why I wanted to bring this guy on. Um, would you sign right now for a 500 season, Steve, from the Red Sox? Would you take that? I, I saw a tweet today from the MLB account that projected they would be 80 and 82. So they're kind of thinking the way you're thinking right now. Um, I mean, considering the playoff format, what, what's the, uh, I, I, I'm trying to keep track of the latest. Well, I don't even know. I feel like it changes every other minute. Thanks baseball. I don't, I don't even know how many teams are making it right now. I I really don't. I'm trying to figure out how many teams there are because we're probably going to desperately need there to be a couple extra wildcard spots. But, um, yeah, I think realistically a 500 projection should be where they are. But Kike Hernandez, when he signed on a couple weeks ago, had a line saying that he loves that they're flying under the radar um, I think this team has a lot of guys that kind of have that underdog mentality that want to prove people wrong. So ideally that gets them on a roll. Uh, having quarterback again is an enormous thing, but as a fan, if you're realistically going to ask for anything more than 81 and 81, I think it's, you're, you're hoping for a little too much, but I'll just leave it at this JJ. I just want a team that is going to compete for a wild card spot. The fact that I have to say that as being a crazy thing as a Red Sox fan should really show you the state of the state of the club right now. Dude, you ain't kidding. Now, you're a guy that spends a whole lot of weekends at Fenway Park, and I didn't spend any time at Yankee Stadium. You didn't spend any time 
inside of Fenway Park. We couldn't. COVID happened. Yeah. What did you miss the most, Steve, in your day-to-day Fenway experience? What was the one I, thing Steve Perron kept, like, hanging on, saying, man, I wish I was doing this right about now? I'm telling you, I even I, – I technically got to see a game last year because uh, Bleacher Bar is under the bleachers there, and you can see well, – That's a great there. spot, might I add. That is a terrific, it, terrific spot. I love that place. Love yeah, that yeah, place up there. You, I mean, we're all kind of crying because they tore down baseball taverns, but I think Bleacher Bar – Well, you know why they tore it down? The last time I was in there, I was basically carried out on a stretcher. That's basically why they closed <laughs> the place down, if we're being serious. You're not lying. You're not lying. But, um, but no, I mean, it's, I just miss, like, any time – and this is going to sound corny. I don't even care. When you walk up the ramp or you walk up any of the tunnels into Fenway Park, you just go back in time. Like, it's just you feel like a kid again. I miss the environment because regardless of how good or bad the Red Sox are, the place is packed. And, you know, we care about winning literally every night. That's that's the point. And I, I miss that. I really do. I miss talking with people that listen to Section 10 podcast. You know, we've built some great relationships over the years. This is going to be the seventh season we're doing the show. So, um, yeah, I really do miss that, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel, apparently, it seems like, and even in talking with Haim, he didn't even know, so that wasn't reassuring, but it seemed like there's going to be 20% capacity for opening day, and ideally they can build up off of that, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember any stories coming out of any NFL fans getting COVID from going to the game. Um, no, I know, but- in Buffalo, they did a great job. I mean, it was crazy getting tested three days before the game, it's a process to go to a game, but... Listen, I know you do it. I know I do it. I wouldn't think twice. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely something that needs to happen for you, for me, for all the fans out there. And this is going to be my final one, Steve. Fact or fiction, either that final weekend of June or that final weekend or second to last weekend in July, we will be reunited at Fenway Park for a Yankee Red Sox game. Fact or fiction? The fact that I hope it's the, the first one. I, I, w- I mean... Think about that. We've had some great times at Fenway. Like, I I would love to get back in that environment. And the tough part is you want to get back in that environment that you know, and it's probably not going to happen, right? Like, I think best-case scenario, we're going to be in, like, a 20% capacity type setup, which isn't necessarily going to feel the same. But at this point, there's no possible way I can survive with two straight years of no games at Fenway, uh, you know, as a fan. that. That's something that if you had told us in 2019, I would have laughed at you because it would have had to be like the end of baseball. I don't know what 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 would have caused that. But, um, yeah, now we're in a situation where it's like I'll take any scenario being at Fenway Park. If it's, you know, triple masks, I don't care. I just want to be back in one of my favorite places in the world. That's, that's what we want. And I know you want to be at Yankee Stadium. It goes both ways. I do, even though, listen, I'd rather be back at the old Yankee Stadium. It's funny, you mentioned walking so through the tunnel. the old one. Uh, it's not, don't even get me started, dude. I, I could know, do two and a half hours on the mistakes they've made with the <laughs> new place. But despite all those critiques, bro, sign me up for being in that moat, the legend seats, the shrimp cocktail, my <laughs> sister basically slobbing her face, eating everything known to man like she loves to do. Amen to that. I hope that happens. And might I add, Steve, seeing that Yankee Stadium... Coming up the ramp of the four train, it will get all sorts of emotional and teary-eyed in a smelly four train. I hope that we actually get to uh, enjoy that benefit this year. Listen, bro, I can't thank you enough. You are the best. Continued success. I wish you nothing but the best, but your team's unfortunately nothing but the worst. I completely agree with everything you said. And, um, yeah, we're going to end up at Fenway or Yankee Stadium this year. It's going to happen. Just speak it into existence. That's what I'm talking about. Steve Peralta, Section 10, WEI. My man, Stevie, thanks, baby. Thank you. See you later, Ginger.
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.